Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Series 12 of Midweek Motorsport. It is very nearly 8 o'clock in the United Kingdom. I was just waiting like like a night watchman at the Gabba to see if There's the... There's no talk about the cricket. What cricket? Uh, to see if the... the in the hand. It ended in a draw. In the... Uh, Draws are no good in Test Match Cricket. After five oh, there we days go. you should get a result. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, it's exactly 8 o'clock here in the UK. Nice filling that in. Uh, and this is Series 12, Episode 46. And up in London is Tim Gray. Hello Tim. Good evening John. And on a packed programme tonight we have what? We have all the usual features. Excellent. Welcome back to me. Where were you last week then? Are you allowed to tell us? I was at a party. Oh. I was drinking wine. Really? Mm. What sort of wine? A white. Any good? It wasn't bad, actually. It was a, a New Zealand Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, I'm not a big fan of Sauvignon Blanc, frankly. Oh, can't do uh, any better than no, uh, no, lovely, no. Uh, something like a Cloudy Bay. If Cloudy Bay are listening, I think your product's lovely. Please send me some. Pig pill to peanut. Am I allowed to say that? Pig pill is uh, good if you want something French. Uh, moving on. Uh, news uh, in English. Possibly news in Spanish, possibly a pointless press release of the week, although I haven't been sent any yet, so oh, all right. you've got uh, an hour and a half to get your pointless press releases in. Uh, but being December, yes. uh, as it wasn't last week, uh, we are asking our uh, Indeed not. Radio Show Limited uh, main contributors uh, for their nominees for the Motti Show, which... Uh, it's presented by John Motson. Yes, very much indeed. I think so, Tip. No? Which is in two weeks' time. Is that the big news, that he's leaving the BBC to come and work for us? Uh, I hope not. Because he's not retiring. He's not retiring. He's going to do some other things, apparently. He's going to do motorsport for Radio Show Limited. That would be magnificent. Responsible adult, get on to Motty's agent. Yes, and here they are lining up for the start of the Le Mans 24 hours. It's a 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus formation. 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 <laughs> plus 1. <laughs> he likes a Kit Kat at half time, apparently. Does he? Yeah. Did you see a Kit Kat there? I did. That's all right, then. So, shall we do some uh, parish notices? Yes. Uh, hello to Alexander Orkin. Uh, no airfares tonight. Looking forward to the show. Listening online. Velasuds. Uh, li- listening from the waiting room before a blood test studied hard hope I pass very good let us know hope you're okay Velo uh, Rod Chalmers says I'm going to have to give a partial uh, apology for absence I've been left in charge of the house and picking up the eldest daughter 
and uh, now I can't stream you in the car because my phone's died. Pedant just... Corner here. Sorry? Is that a partial apology or a partial absence? Ah. Partial Because the way you said it absence. made uh, it sound like he was only partially apologising. No, I think it's a full apology for a partial absence. However, it's bad charging strategy, Rob, so no job in FE for you. All I'm going to say. Well, you could, the, you could be the man who checks the... Um... Barcodes? Technical passport, yeah. Yeah. Sorry? There's certainly a job going there somewhere. Uh, Nicky Swan is listening live tonight from a windy Scotland. I'm going to get told off. I know I am. Uh, Endex says, uh, heard she sells sanctuary on the radio this afternoon. Got me ready for tonight. Uh, uh, Mark E.J. has listened to uh, the IMSA Test podcast, having woken up... Uh, to bad cricket news. There'll be another uh, one of those tonight. Yes. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, yes, good point. Uh, and who else uh, have I just seen? Uh, I've completely lost it. Oh, Chris Suku. There we go. Evening, all. Apologies for options. The show now starting at 01.30 on a Thursday morning. That means you must be in the subcontinent somewhere, Chris, because you're on no, a No, that means he's in Australia. Because bits of Australia have half hour. Yeah, but that's only five and a half hours. Nick? I see what you mean. India's five and a half hours. It's India. Five and a half hours. Yeah. Fair enough. He says, uh, I'll see you on the podcast, or if I'm having a restless night, I might tune in. Uh, Later on this evening, in fact, following us on RS1 and at 10 o'clock on RS2, IMSA Radio, Shea Adam has the second day of the IMSA homologation test, including... A detailed discussion uh, with one of the men who bops a lot. It's not Hansen, Manson, Franson. You're right first time. I know. Bob. Bob. It's, it's none of them. Yeah, I knew I was going to lose my speaker then. It is. <laughs> uh, it is the very clever people who do the data-led BOP from the IMSA Technical Services. And they'll be talking to Shea along with a selection of drivers at 10 o'clock. Shea will be live on the programme from the Daytona International Speedway at some stage in the first hour tonight. Uh, We'll have Graham Goodwin. First hour or do you want a second hour? You you told me second hour. Sorry, Shea will be live from the paddock. (laughs) She's in Marion's now. Uh, Hello to Marion, to Sandra... And the rest of the team, who I'm sure Shea's got that on the speakers at the moment. Uh, So live from the very heart of the IMSA paddock, uh, which is uh, is Marion's Hospitality uh, there over in Daytona. Second hour of the programme, which is also when Race.com's Marshall Pruitt will be joining us with a round-up of the US News. And we'll have, uh, after his globe-trotting antics of the last few weeks, when he hasn't been available to us, we're not good enough for him now. No. DailySportsCar.com editor uh, Graham Goodwin is back in the shed. No, no, apparently, no, we heard after his trip once he wants to turn the shed into a pagoda. Ah, he's been There's away that long. There's an article in the uh, Evening Standard tonight about how, about uh, Graham Goodwin's shed. how, how uh, people in uh, London are going for increasingly big sheds. Mm. Exactly. Uh Moving on. Uh, uh, Fernando he, de Silva says, uh, listening to Radio Le Mans while I'm watching a YouTuber during a, doing a stream on Need for Street Pro Street. 
I may be the first person to listen to Spectretainment twice at the same time. Ah, yes, Roger Evans, my alter ego. <laughs> Roger Evans. Oh, dear. I was number one at Christmas with that game. Were you? A few years ago now. Need for size pro, pro stream. Uh, shall we have a Nicky Swans in a windy Scotland? And you said that. All right, wind still the coming from Scotland. lover says, isn't it the time of year when we hear details about the uh, Motti process? Yes. Protest? Protest? Process. Process. Yeah. Well, that will come later tonight. Yeah. And as I say, stay tuned at 10 o'clock, either here on RS1 or on RS2, IMSA Radio, for Shea Adam's second part. If you haven't heard the first part, you can download it from the website. But don't do that now, because Tim is going to play the news jingle. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. I'm scared to ask, Tim. I'm scared to ask. But what's the top story tonight? Well, uh, have we introduced Nick Damon? I know we've heard him, but have we introduced Ladies him? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> for your listening pleasure, the one, the only, the delicious, the dancing Nick Damon. Hey, hi, everybody. Fantastic to be here tonight. Hello, John. Hello to uh, Tim. Hello to all smile the, the listening moment. public. Jazz hands. If you could just see his hands at the moment. Oh, Dame, yeah. Nick Damon. Yeah, if only, yeah. Nick Damon. Um, yes. He's here. I am. Go on then, <laughs> After that build-up, anything I there, say now is an anti-climax. But carry there on. is a lot of nonsense motorsport, talked about, isn't right. there? Uh, it's a wide gamut. What this weekend? Mm. No, in general. In, there That's is huge. a huge amount of work. There's lots I, of massive. Everywhere. If I was to say Nick Damon, yes, I want you to go yes. to a motorsport event, mm-hmm. yes. and enjoy it, yes. And you didn't know what it was until you got there, right? You might be a bit apprehensive because there are some things that you don't enjoy. Yes. Ah, so. no, no, hang on, hang on. In fairness, at the event is different to watching it on the telly or something that like that. That is true. Have we got hospitality? Because I'm going with them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Have we got hospitality? Are we on the guest list, Let, love? I'm Can going we to give you the clues by? in a particular order. So okay. the first thing is, right. it is a random motorsport event. Okay. Well, that, well, that's, okay. That's, that so, ra- so random. So on, a scale, on a scale of 1 to 10, right. where 10 is you are the most happy and 1 is the most unhappy, yes. where, where are you putting yourself at the moment? Well, I mean, I've, I've got 10. tickets and it's random. I'm with John. I'm at 7.5. 7.5. Slight trepidation. Okay. It's in December, and it's in Europe. Back down to six and a half, because you haven't told me it's indoors or outdoors yet. <laughs> it's outdoors. Five and a half. Oh, oh. It's at Monza. Oh, six oh, and no, a half. Oh, no, no. Ah, ah, I know what it is. I know what it is. Six and a half? How many hats? It features former Audi works driver Marco Bononomi. Well, I love a bit of Marco, seven. Once, once talked about as the new Dindo Capelli. Pello. No, he was talked about as Dindo Capelli, Capelli. Which is something different. It, oh, right. Completely different. He used to sell bicycles for a living. Oh, really? Right, no, Dindo Capello, correct, correct. It also featured Valentino Rossi. Eight and three quarters. <laughs> Eight and three quarters? <laughs> that, that's as high as we're getting, I think, because the next thing is, I'm going to tell you, it's a rally. Four. No, because <laughs> it's the Bettinger Rally Sprint, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Monza Rally. The Monza Rally, the Mon- yeah. The Monza which rally. is more of a kind of an auto test, isn't it, really? It's just an excuse for people to get fabulous cars out, burn the tyres off them and get sideways a lot. In fairness, actually that's about a nine because you're there and you're watching it and it's a laugh. Nick, 
It was what we all used to do when we were 17 in the car park of any given supermarket at 3 o'clock in the morning. I used to do it at Batmore Park because for a while when the track, the car track was shut down, uh, we used to race RC cars on it. And um, when everyone had gone back, you could just run, run around the RC track, the, the car track in your car until you fell off, which is fine because there's nothing to hit. My Fiat X19 hairdresser car. Also involved, uh, oh. Tony Cairoli. Really? Yes. So wasn't he? Wasn't he a uh, an easy listening singer from the seventies? He was a motocross world champion from the current time. Okay. Uh, Andreas Mickelson, who's a world um, rallycross champion. Yes, world rally championship. Okay. Thierry Nerville. Again, rally again. Can you reboot your computer because you've taken me offline. Or Eve has. It's very odd. Uh, but uh, it was victory for Valentino. Of course, it was. That's about the sixth time, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, which is a record. And whose record did he beat? Uh, uh, Yuha Kankinen. Someone we've mentioned already in this item. Thierry Neuville. Dindo Capello. Oh, I don't know. Which is why I talked about him earlier, because I knew what the event was. Mm. Ah. <laughs> Hasn't uh, he got an Audi dealership not too far from there? Who, Dindo? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, near Monza? Yeah. Would be a sensible place to put there it, I bet. It's called the Monza Rally Show, isn't it? It is called the Monza Rally Show. Sounds right. We need to go to that one, yeah. There's so, it was so many things we want to go to. It's a monster energy. 24 hours of Enerpagusa, that's what I want to go to. I want to race in that. It's on uh, the final weekend of March. Yes, I'm, I'm available. That's Easter, isn't it? I don't care when Easter is. Yeah. I'm not. We've got nothing else on. All right. Well, it's a VLN race. No. Nah. But apart from that, nothing else on. Mm. Uh, the FIA. Uh, right, yeah, what's that now? Uh, two. The are we still the doing how, uh, how, um, how, how, how happy we are about them? <laughs> two. <laughs> two for the FIA. No. Not happy at all. Up until about ten years ago... They did stuff. I'm moving away from the FIA. Up okay. until about ten years ago... Mm. There wasn't really any obvious Motorsport Hall of Fame. No. And then Motorsport well, Magazine. Well, no, 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 no. There was plenty of Halls of Fame, just not a European-based one. Well, there was the International Motorsport Hall of Fame, which is at Talladega. There's um, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. There's the that hadn't been built IndyCar at that point. Hall of fame. What, ten years ago? Yes. Remember, we uh, covered on this show... Uh, no, that was the uh, was opening moving, of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and the building of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and the inauguration of the first four NASCAR right. drivers. Okay, right, fine. well, the Hall of Fame at Sebring's been open since 2002, so that's more than ten years yes. ago. Um, it's quite a modern concept, barely. Hall of Fame, isn't it? It is, apart from the International Motorsport Hall of Fame in Talladega, which I think has been there quite a while. Okay. Right, but we, we, this is about how the FIA have decided to open one up. The FIA have decided that they want one of their own. Which just basically is anybody who's been F1 world champion gets to be in. Apparently so, yeah. And no one else does at all, no matter what else they've done at any other FIA championship at the moment, because they haven't thought of that, but they'll do it next year, honest. That's pretty much it, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, well done. Hang on. <laughs> Say that, that's me just popping that bubble. Yeah. Uh, what is the sports event of the year, 2017? 2003, by the way, was when the what international... What is the sports event of the year, what, sorry? Sports event of the year, 2017. 
What, mine, yours, or at random? The RSL uh, end of the year show. End of the year show, yes. Well, that hasn't happened yet, so that would have to be rolled over into next year. Obviously, someone's chosen something ridiculous. So tell us what it is. Uh, This was uh, chosen by The Drum. Who the hell are they? Website. Uh, And they've chosen uh, Formula One Live in London. Oh, for goodness sake. They're based in London, are they? I'd imagine so. I know we can get parochial, but my God. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's not even a sporting event, it's just a display no, well, event. You're right, there was no sport involved at all. It's just a display event. It's, it's like saying the best sporting event of 1976 was the Royal Exhibition. You know, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I think that it ends by the, the Royal Exhibition, <laughs> okay, actually. Fair enough. He only picked the wrong The year. Royal Tournament. Yes. <laughs> the Look Horse of Show. Yes, I absolutely love that great sporting event in 2001, the changing of the guard. It was fantastic. Yes. 1977, the best the best sporting event in 1977 was the Silver Jubilee. Was it your street party? I know, we had a football competition in the field out the back of my mum and dad's. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Take this very seriously. Carry on. Yeah, so fine. Carry on. I'm getting the impression we're quite thin on news this week. <laughs> well, that's an idea. Do you think? <laughs> that's uh, we've got lots of chat to come. We've got some cracking we, we stuff. We have. Um, when do we start doing nominations for the man of the year? Uh, when Shay's around. Oh, okay. Fine. Because Are we got good? Has Goodwin filled in his form? No, he's uh, he's not uh, been asked to uh, nominate this year. The really? four the four people who are nominating this year are John Hintoff. Oh, really? I've I've better start Nick Damon. A bit, then. Right. Shay Adam mm-hmm. and Johnny Palmer. Ooh. Ooh. As befits Johnny's, you know, in everything we do thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I can get Shay any time you uh, want, by the, the way. Can I ask question? Are we going to discuss Formula E, which was the only actual racing this weekend? Uh, no, well, first of all, that's not true. Well. And secondly, I haven't seen it. First race, once that? it got going, was all right. Second race, not so bad. We had Not some disqualification, good. didn't we? Yes. Technical infringement. Third time. Okay, if you haven't seen it, basically, um, yeah. You was, tell me about it. Vernon Kay was very good for UK people. Yes, he was. Which is a surprise. And Eurosport covered it live and Channel 5 didn't. Although they said they were live. Well, you know and why? They said because it, Milkshake for five-year-olds get, will get more viewers. Peppa Pig is a big rating. It was goal. Peppa Pig that kept it off. Fireman Sam was... was no, no, it was back. just Peppa Pig. Oh. It was it was four episodes or five episodes of Peppa Pig. However, interestingly, it says a lot about... So I'm going to take those pens from you immediately. That's my pen. Give me a buck. Because <laughs> um, you'll just click them in the background. It drives me bonkers when I listen to it back. The... Uh, Interesting comment on what happens on British national television because it is on British national television uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday. It was uh, it was on at nine o'clock, two hours after the race actually started. Mm-hmm. Um, although it did say live, and they kept saying live all the way through, both on Saturday and Sunday, which is a bit naughty. They didn't mm-hmm. cut anything though. Mm? It was shown as live. It was shown it was as live, but it said when they live said, trackside. When they said it, they were live trackside. Mm. Um, and all of the ad breaks were full of toys and games for five-year-olds. It is <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Which was hilariously funny. And, uh, uh, anyway. Uh, what were the ads like on Eurosport? Uh, usual Eurosport. Actually, they didn't take any ads at all in the racing. Eurosport. Uh, and they didn't have that money ads early morning anyway. There was mostly promos. It was Mike Conway along with Tom Gearmore. It was. Who were doing it. 
Mike Conway and has a very dry sense of humour. He has a very dry sense of humour. I enjoyed that. And the BBC covered it as well with streaming audio from London uh, with Jonathan Ledyard and Duncan Tappy. Yes. Which was interesting. That's the uh, new Formula E radio service, which mm. the company we, that way, Eve we, used to work for is running. We've just been rescued. Which is? There's just been an FIA Motor, World Motorsport Council release come to my computer. Excellent. <laughs> I, stand <laughs> by, I'll nip to the fax and get my copy. <laughs> my fax machine is out of paper, so you'll have to... Uh, it's, it it's from today. Basically, one of the main things they've uh, they've all, you, you you're missing your fate one of the year. They've agreed. Calendars. They've, yeah, they've agreed oh, all the calendars. calendars. All the calendars are, are confirmed up. All, all the calendars are confirmed. The Robbie Williams one will be out in December. Uh, the Spice <laughs> Girls December. reunion one that will be out then too. F1 uh, summations are ensuring that testing of cars old and new may only take place at FA Grade One. Do you one actually get the re- they actually send them to you? Yeah. I registered years ago. Well done. Uh, change event timetable, because they want to run Thursdays in some events, so they could get away from the... Um, yes, yes. Uh, Acknowledgement of the reduction of the percentage of fuel oil that's allowed to be burnt during the season, so it can't be used as fuel. That's the Mercedes rule. Well, actually... And Ferrari, up, Yeah, though. they cost everyone else more in the end. Yeah. Um of detail specification for oil. Minimum weight and volume of the engine. So, oh, minimum weight for the... Batteries. Can I just tell everybody that while Nick is reading this out and seeing how interesting it is, I'm looking at the prices of second-hand Technics right. SL1200 so, turn turbo. Right, okay. Here's, a, here's one that is entirely um, cosmetic. Uh-huh. A change to the power unit penalty system. Ooh. Ooh. Are we all excited about this? We are. Was also approved, whereby if a driver incurs a penalty exceeding 15 grid places, he'll just be required to start from the back. Yeah. Well, are we expecting a huge amount of increase in the entries then? What if there are? If more than drivers, one driver receives such a penalty, ah. there will be range at the back of the grid in order in which the offences were committed. Ooh. Now, what this does mean, one minor change this means, okay? Say Fernando Alonso, randomly, has to take a 20 car penalty. Grid penalty. Sorry, so, so Fernando has to take a 35, what would have been an old-fashioned 35 penalty yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. And Stoffel van Dorm, randomly, has to take a 20 penalty on Friday. Yeah. Histori- as, as previous years, van Dorm would have started in front of Alonso. Yeah. Now, it'd be the other way around. Because ah. the maximum you can go back is 20, and that's it. If you, if you take 112, it doesn't matter. You're still at the back, and it's just taking... So the on Thursday, the then... Thursday, Alonso goes to the back, right? Yes. And Friday, anybody else would go to the back, which would be one behind Alonso. Yes. So okay. if everybody takes them, Alonso could end up on pole. On pole. And it's probably if, if, you with have, <laughs> if you have a problem with your uh, engine mm-hmm. on a Thursday, yes. it's actually worthwhile not changing it until Saturday morning now. and not running in practice. Uh, in order to qualify higher up the grid. It's got a point about that, actually. Yeah. You, you get one or two places. Um, this one seems a bit like of a why wasn't it been done before. Uh, the World Council was presented with a report on the incidents that happened at the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, and it's recommended the promoter, who is responsible for the security of the event, which is interesting because the Brazilian promoter has tended to wash his hands of security once you leave the track, uh, needs to retain an independent security expert, evaluate and advise on security plans, implement a police reporting hub at the circuit, and improves overall communication between the promoter, police, 
security and F1 stakeholders. So basically, you do what you should in the first place, which is give every single car a police escort. Isn't now, the promoter of the Brazilian Grand Prix... No. No. No, okay. it's not. That's that's a good question, but no, he's not. Um, <laughs> there's also stuff You know for, who I meant, John. Yes. yes. There's, there's WEC stuff as well, which Graham can do. The World Rally Championship has confirmed its calendar. All the calendars are confirmed now. Well, Rallycross has confirmed its calendar. If I, oh, Touring Car, I might want to read this one. Ooh, uh, is there going to be an FIA World Touring Car The World Council confirmed that the FIA World Touring Car Championship and its associated brand will cease on the 8th of December. Oh, right. The new FIA, FIA World Cup will be introduced for 2018-19 called WTCR FIA World Touring Car Cup. <laughs> WTCR? And will be presented, promoted by Eurosport. So it's no longer a World Championship. Well, it's a Touring it Car be. Cup. Yeah, correct. Correct. Uh, the cup will replace. Does it have the a calendar? Yep. The cup. No, it yeah, it's the no, Spice no, Girls. No, it, hasn't, it doesn't have a calendar. Oh, right, sorry. Okay. The cup will run to, to TCR regs, and um, the cup will replace the TCR International Series, and it's for private entries only. Oh. With so basically, what's happened is the World Touring Car is dead. Manufacturer is dead. Eurosport have come to an agreement with TCR to cover their events. That's what's happened here. Yes. Um, and calendars, fuel supply, <clears throat> tyre supply will be confirmed in due course. That's an interesting conversation that we can have in the next couple of weeks. Very interesting. I shall take a recording device. I think you should. Yes. Uh, F2 champ is, it's, uh, Championship has no changes. Interesting because it's a new car, but I see that was covered in a previous one. FI Formula 3, we had the calendar. FIA Formula E is just it's Breaking confirmed. news, by the way. Breaking. Shock news. All of it, because it's just come out. What? This. You've yes, just had it. I know. And the Formula E Championship is a bit old because it's confirming the, the calendar we knew with the we're now Sao Paulo's pulled out. Ah, it's but being what? replaced by Punta del Est. Punta del oh, Est Punta in del Uruguay. Este. Oh, So they're going to Uruguay. I'm going there. And that, well, you're going on the 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day then. No, you can't go that. Uh, 2018 or 19? No, this is, this, is, this is all for this season, 18. That's Sebring weekend, so you can't. That's fine. I'm not working Sebring weekend. Okay. Um, and then there's more stuff. Single seater commission. It might over. It might prevent me from going to the 24 hours of Enerfagusa though. Might. Oh uh, well, yes, it might. You better check that. Uh, shall we get Graham Goodwin editor of Daily Sports Car up to talk about as Nick almost with the wave, a rather camp wave of a hand dismissed. No, the I saw sports his, car I saw stuff. His, I saw the. Oh, that what it was? I knew he was going to do it. Saying, "Don't <laughs> talk about this." Blimey. No, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> Good evening, goodies. Long time no speak. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Nick. <laughs> I, I, I'm just envisaging that the campus of that where the, the way much. Thank you for noticing I'm here. It was particularly. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. How's your globe trotting been over the last few weeks? Uh, spectacularly tiring and a most spect- uh, spectacular coincidence last night and the last evening in Tokyo after Asia Le Mans at the weekend, uh, being taken by Lisa Crampton to the top of. Uh, uh, one of the the major Tokyo. I wondered where you were going platform. with that for a moment, but carry on. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, turned around, Lisa. and who should be standing behind me? But uh, James Roster and Sean Walkinshaw. Really? How Very bizarre. They start seeing as well. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, James is quite Graham. close by, but uh, it's uh, very strange. Two two guys not there to do what I was doing um, in the same place at the same time. But I think the excuse, by the way, was I believe it was the awards dinner for Super GT on yes, Friday. it was. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, the FIA uh, communique has been sent to you and to Nick. I've got uh, it now as well. Excellent. Uh, GT Commission. Um, something that should never, ever happen is... 
potentially going to happen, and that's GTE and GT3 harmonisation. It's not going to happen, but they're going to talk about it again. Again, I think we've really been talking about it all the time, haven't they, just in the background. But uh, it will be interesting. We've already had a situation where a GT3 car has won the Le Mans 24 hours, of course, this year with the Ferrari 488 of JMW winning GTM, which was bought as a GT3 car. Yeah. Uh, all the relevant bits taken off it. And indeed, Jim McWord, if he has his way, will actually race that car uh, either the coming year or the year after uh, in some GT3 races as well as GT uh, races. So that's what you can do with a, a Ferrari 488. Is that what they're we'll... talking about, though, Graham? Are they talking about a standardised platform or a standardised set of regulations? Because, to, to be honest, if Le Mans GTE goes to GT3 regulations, um, so no, long and thanks for all the fish gonna, as far as I'm not concerned. Gonna it's not going to happen. Won't happen. 100% won't happen. There was no way they will do that without a set of technical regulations. No, not, exactly. Not going to happen. And you can't do GT3 with a set of technical regulations akin to GTE because the uh, diversity of the of the kind of the base cars is so broad that it simply wouldn't be achievable. There'd be no point in even attempting it. Right. Okay. <laughs> that seems reasonable then. Uh, what else have we got in here? Let me have a quick skim down. Oh, that was uh, LMP1 World Championship. When we've talked about this oh, yeah. a little bit more, um, we talked about this a, a, a bit before, although we didn't know the details. But it was something that we talked about. Way back when we had Gerard Navarre and Scott Atherton on the show uh, in the hashtag Ask the Bosses about the change of nomenclature and the change of uh, entry criteria for the world champion title in LMP1. Correct, because, of course, if we're going to have a World Championship manufacturer's title, we can hand it over right now uh, to Toyota, unless uh, Ginetta, for instance, were persuaded to actually join that as a manufacturer. But it Correct. won't have to, because there will be a World Championship title for the team in an LMP1 category. Now, that's no interesting, Graham. That's interesting, because we did actually see at the time, from what I'm reading from the proposals that went forward to the GT Commission, uh, the Endurance Commission, uh, was that the chassis manufacturer could be a world champion. And therefore, I think we, I remember you and I talked about this. It could be Coca-Cola. It could be Red Bull. It could be Miggins Motorsport um, or any brand could have been the world champion. It's That's now being extended to the team rather than the manufacturer then or the manufacturer Correct. just doesn't but, count of course, there's... well the manufacturer sort of does count depending on what who, i guess who pays the entry, entry fee, fee and therefore what you call the team uh, so the entry fee for the world championship the lmp1 class is 310,000 euros my guess would be and it is a that's come guess, down a bit hasn't it it's uh, no it's almost exactly what we uh, we expected it to be right okay. um the they've taken off off the old 67 pence, which was there. I don't understand why that was there in the first place, but so that's that's gone. But um, the um, well, I guess what you might find is that a privateer team might balk at 310,000 euros, yeah. might wish to pay part of that. But if actually you decide to call your car, let's say the Miggins Motorsport Ginetta or the, uh, I don't know, Pi and Mash Delara, and Delara made a contribution to that, then of course what that means is you can put a nice shiny plaque on the side the factory uh, you know for every day and if you do make road cars and of course delara do and uh, in small quantities at the moment 
Junetta to as well. Uh, who remembers those lovely um, stickers you used to see on the sides and the rears of Lotuses for many years? Yeah. Constructors World Championships. That's a hell of a title to have. So let's wait and see what actually emerges in that marketplace. There's some interesting stuff going on at the moment. I mean, that presumably means if somebody cut a deal with Delara or a chassis manufacturer, that it could be Delara or Alpine or, in fact, anybody, depending on who the entrant is. That, I mean, that's something that we kind of need to follow up, isn't it, and find out what constitutes, then, a team or an entrant. I think the, the answer is it's going to depend on how you enter. So, for instance, I don't suppose SMP Racing care one way or the other, but if Delara wants to make a contribution and Boris Rutenberg et al. are prepared to let them, SMP Racing Delara, for instance... Um, you know, would be the team name, and therefore that would be the world title holder. Mm. So it's going to be the entrant, isn't it? It's going to be how that is entered. I guess it comes back, um, back to Grandam days, and actually now into the modern era with the DPIs as to how you refer to the cars. You'll hear some people calling them, for instance, uh, a Multimatic Mazda or you know a Delara Cadillac. What counts here is what the team enters the championship as. And it'll be exactly the same for the WEC. A couple of uh, housekeeping items. One, in terms of what goes on in the sporting uh, regulations. Uh, And I disagree with this as well. Tyre changes allowed during refuelling. That's just going to add cost for everybody. Just don't like it. I just don't like it. Uh, don't like that bit at all. Um, Tyre changes unfo- and other work such as bodywork cleaning or brake checks during refuelling. Don't like that at all. No, uh, I just think it's a necessary, uh, an unnecessary, uh, unnecessary change, John, really. So um, let's wait and see what we get in terms of expl- explanation for that. The, the more significant one, though, in terms of championship uh, outcomes is going to be the decision. I think it's been a long time coming and it's been long overdue. Uh, with the WEC is the change to the points that will be awarded um, to the uh, teams at both Sebring and uh, in 2019, of course, and for both the 2018 uh, and 2019 and uh, uh, Adam Fenaita, you'd, you'd guess, uh, Le Mans 24 hours. And that's going to be a modification there because, of course, at the moment, it's double points for Le Mans. Uh, that has had a profound effect yeah on the championship standings a number of times, probably most famously with Sergei Slobin, actually taking 50 points from the Le Mans 24 hours, despite the fact he finished 12th in class, and I think 37th overall, um, but did enough to actually win the title there. So from now on, 24 hours of Le Mans and the new 1,500 miles of Sebring. Sebring, it will be 32 points, 25% uh, up on the uh, six-hour race total and the 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, will go down from 50 points to 38 points, which is a 50%, basically 150% rather than 200%. We needed That's... to do that like the shipping forecast, didn't we? <laughs> we should have done, absolutely. Le Mans, but, uh... 50, <laughs> to decreasing to 38 later. Um, we should have thought ahead. If only we thought ahead, if the, only we the, knew. The thing, the thing that I, I liked your original thought about this, Graham, one of the things that I don't like about how they award the points at Le Mans. I accept, um, I accept that it needs potentially to have more points. And now that it's the last round, um, to keep things interesting, I think it does need to have more points. Um, also, it is a longer race. It's four times a longer race. That doesn't mean four times longer points. But I, I accept that it needs to be something different because to finish Le Mans and to finish Le Mans well, um, if you're going to have that in the championship and... That's a big if, 
as far as I'm concerned, but uh, let's accept that that's happening too, that uh, there has to be something done. But I like your idea of saying, um, because what I don't like is that the non-WEC cars don't exist for point Orange scoring. Board. Correct. And that's wrong because ultimately uh, this year, um, even with the problems of um, the uh, the LMP1 hybrids, mm-hmm. let's say the LMP1 hybrids had got back to 8th and 10th position overall, but all the cars in front of them ignored were not wec p2s yeah they would have got full points and that's not right because they haven't won so you you had an idea a few years ago which i think was great that there should be an amount of points that is tied into the finishing spot of le mans whoever you are and then there's an additional amount of points based on your wec finishing spot uh, but actually, it's, it could even be simpler than that, John, because if you obviously look at the world titles, the titles um, for the drivers in particular apply not just to LMP1 or LMP2, but for LMP or yes. for GTE. Correct. So in other words, in the pure finishing order where you finish between LMP1 and LMP2, the driver's points are awarded there. So, for instance, uh, the 38 Jackie Chan DC racing car that finished second overall got a mighty 36 points for those drivers yeah. in the, the uh, world drivers rightly so correctly so and correctly so that's the way that should happen um you can do all sorts of things we, you know we know that uh, the majority of the cars in lmp2 at le mans this year i keep having to remind myself it is still this year um that they were not full season wec entrants and you know what was interesting there is how that actually panned out and actually the wec cars showed very well principally i think because the the pro-am nature of LMP2 have been somewhat muddied with the the way in which the Super Silvers have uh, have kind of risen to the top, if you like, with WEC. But certainly, uh, I think there's an element here where we can kind of suck it and see. But I think the, the the key to this is they've made one important move in that a season is already defined in title terms by there being a world champion and a Le Mans champion. Yeah. It should not be overly rewarded with that one, or in this case, two, two races. Agreed. 50 points it would have been for each of them, so 100 points uh, from... Uh, Graham, it's, of... it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that in the uh, the transition season that a, a, a team that only did the two Le Mans could be challenging for a world title. Well, with, under the old point system, you win Le Mans twice and you get 100 points plus potentially two for uh, your qualifying position. And that's a pretty beefy yeah. total when you're dealing with eight races, the other six of which, under the old rules, would have been 25 points each. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed completely. Uh, just a couple of other things. Neil Hudson, who's uh, the guru of all things touring car, says the FIA and TCR will be determining the BOP of the new world touring cars. Uh, the European Touring Car Championship also disappears and TCR Europe will replace that. That's promoted by WSC, who ran TCR International. Did you keep up with that? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, stay with us, Graham. So is that going Go to on. still be called the European Touring Car Cup? No, no, it's gone. ETCC's gone, replaced by TCR Europe. Okay, so ETCC becomes TCRE. Yes. And yes. WTCC comes 
WTCR. WTC. WTC World Touring Car Cup. No, it's, the, it's called WTCR. And it's, which, 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 which is racing for, for the WTC. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, you're absolutely right. I should read back three, that three words. Yes. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 12, Episode 46. Graham Goodwin is on the line. Um, all the important people uh, that are on this call, uh, Nick, Tim and Graham, have had the note from the <laughs> FIAWC. You've not been to your facts. No, no surprise that I didn't get it. I had to put more paper in mind before I got it, but I haven't okay. got it now. Uh, as we've got Graham on, shall we um, shall we quickly rattle through some more sports car news before we yes, go back do that. to other other points arising from the, uh, yes. the FIA World I, I, Council? Well, there's not a lot of import uh, in the remainder of the press release, so we'll continue with the uh, press release and then we'll go to uh, Asian news. Ah, right, OK. Uh, so, uh, as we've got Graham, there's a couple of other things to uh, chase up on um, and we'll stay with the we'll stay with sports cars at Le Mans actually um, because something that you've talked about again with us for a wee while some tough choices to make for the ACO uh, in terms of entries for Le Mans 24 and, it, and it's something that that uh, I talked about as soon as I saw this you and I have talked about both on and off air but I mean Fantastic to hear how great LMP is doing in ELMS, but they can't all go to Le Mans. No, watch for something I'm working on, and I hope to have up on DSC in about the next 24 hours or so. Uh, but I think there's a bit of a pickle coming. Now, you know, it depends on your point of view, uh, but certainly... It's a bit I of a pickle, like a small silver skin onion. It's, it's like, yes, it's like a half a pickle. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know when you put, the, put it on the sandwich and it causes a little lump in the top? Yeah. Yeah, like that. Okay. Um, so slightly irritating, but it might be a little <laughs> bit more than a slightly irritating yes. small pickled onion for if you're, you're spending the, the amount of money that uh, you might for either GTE or an LMP2 program in the European Le Mans series next year. Because by my reckoning, um, number one, there's going to be a remarkable number of teams looking to double up next year. We already know about United yeah. Autosports, Graf Racing are already there. Um, Panis Bartes rumoured to be looking at a second car. It may well be that we see a Delara team stepping up with a double uh, entry next year. Either way, depending on what happens with which teams are persuaded to stick with the WEC and depending on which teams decide to go to the LMS, um, what we're looking at is potential major boost to the numbers uh, of, of LMP2 cars in LMS and potentially too uh, a boost to the number of GTE cars. But that is going to be determined in no small part by the availability of entries from the LMS for the 2018 and for that matter the 2019 Le Mans 24 hours. And by my reckoning, there might be a bit of trouble in store here. I think that between the LMP2 entries in the LMS and the GTE entries in the LMS, which operate to GTM um, category standards, we're talking well over 20 cars. I cannot see any numbers that suggest that the ACO will have more than 12 opportunities to reward those teams. Now, four of those teams are already in, courtesy of auto entries and previous performances, and it's possible that it may be as few as 
middling single figures. So uh, watch this space for when I've done the hard final hard sums and, and to get a little bit of reaction from some of those involved. But uh, it could well be that there might be trouble at mill in terms of future entries for the LMS because, of course, in no small part, people enter the LMS for an opportunity to compete at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Is this... A... Graham, again, you and I have talked about this for a long time. Oh, we our, have. Yep. Our, uh, our listeners will know exactly what I'm going to say now. Because what I'm going to say now is this is going to put more pressure on the ACO to support the teams that support their series and teams that don't and try to cherry pick the Le Mans 24 hours surely have got to be told support an ACO series or don't get your big entry. Well, remember, the, the regulations state that you must do a full season in one of the recognised sanctioned ACO championships. However, there is also that catch-all discretionary thing from the selection committee. It, it's slightly worse than I'm actually presenting it, John, because of the teams that are already kind of shoo-in, if you like, by way of auto-entries, etc., and by the achievements they made last year, None of the major French teams uh, in LMP2 are amongst that. Mm. Now, amongst that, you've got two graph cars that will, again, I'm sure, be in the European Le Mans series. You've got one and probably two for Panis Bartes. You've got Edex Sport stepping up with two entries as well and others besides. None of them are in. Um, only one of the two United Autosports entries, for instance, is in. Uh, and none of the Delara teams are, are currently on that list. So um, there's a lot of potential issues that yeah. might arise i feel that the the uh the, you know what there's going to be a ra- that rapid scan that we always always do when we see just as we've done with the fia world motorsport council list there's two lists that people are going to be concerned about am i on the list for Le Mans? am i on the reserve list because believe it or not john we're going to see some significant teams that don't even make it to the reserve list right what's not there that's interesting is any word at all other than a throwaway line uh, about the potential to homogenise regulations for the uh, short term to uh, f- for the uh, hybrids and non-hybrid cars. Um, hybrid and non-hybrid cars will now compete together. A series of promotions to homogenise the performance of the hybrid LMP1s and non-hybrid LMP1s. Right, fine. Uh, we accept that. Nothing at all about how about how they'll do that and looking further ahead do we read anything into the fact there's nothing about the 2020 regs or is that too far ahead for a release of this type no, the 2020 regs are already, uh, it's already been determined that they will be presented to the March uh, World Motorsport Council uh, meeting. The, the problem with uh, the way They were supposed to have gone to this one, they were. but no, but, they, ch- but they haven't. Correct, because there was so much change that they've decided to step away from that, take the pressure off themselves, uh, and that's, I think, the correct decision. The... the to a degree, the kind of slightly archaic way in which these communiques come out, there is so much involved here. Um, and it has been a, a, a bone of contention with uh, some of the delegates from the FIA and the ACO and myself and some others that perhaps what would have been helpful in the cases in cases like this, if there was an opportunity for you know the permanent media core to actually have an opportunity to talk to the delegates uh, that are responsible for these regulations to make sure that we're not making supposition. You know, we're now here at kind of you know quarter to nine in the evening in the UK, quarter to ten in the evening in 
uh, in Paris and for that matter in Le Mans. And it's not a very convenient time to be picking up the phone uh, and frankly would would not be answered, picking up the phone to actually ask for an in-depth explanation of some of these matters. So it's it's a little bit old school, if you see what I mean. Um, and the, the, the uh, potential use of the opportunity to communicate, I think, has probably been missed here. It does mean that sometimes we have to join the dots. And unfortunately, at times, when you join the dots and get it wrong, there is a degree of uh, disquiet among some of the people directly involved. There's an answer to that, which is, in which case, come up with a better system. We won't get it wrong. Can you, I, mean, uh, you mean don't send out press releases by fax at quarter to ten at night? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, uh, anything else on... Uh, Nick's got it in front of him as well now, um, in ridiculously small type on his uh, on his computer. Um, anything? Is he not about... just sitting a long way away? I know. Maybe I'm just sitting a long way away. That's, that's, a, quali- a... that's a quality retina display on an Apple. You see, that's why it looks so good. I can't read that. <laughs> I can read it fine on my crappy old television screen over there. Seventy-three times bigger. Well, there you go. Bigger is always better. Um, they, is there anything about sporting regulations? Because one of the things that comes to my mind uh, immediately, if you're going to allow uh, tyre changing while fueling, which I, I think is a massive retrograde step, I really do, and I think it's one of the things that sets the the FIA and the ACO apart. Um, if they're going, if they're uh, going to do that, then are they going to continue to keep? tyres at a uh, tyre usage, Nick, at a, um, a reasonable amount because otherwise you might as well just change every stop. But they, most of the classes have got a limit on tyres, haven't they? Well, yes, well, that's my point. My point so, is they haven't said whether they're going to retain that. I assume they are, but otherwise... They haven't know. said they're going to change it, which means they're not going to change it. Yeah, because no, otherwise no. everyone would ch- you'd change every single time, wouldn't you? Because you can probably do a think... tyre stop in the same time or less time than a fuel stop. The, the other thing here is, it's it's you know, oddly enough, that very point, John, although from a different direction, came up actually from three or four different places during the uh, WC finale where um, one particularly outspoken person who would prefer, for obvious reasons, to remain anonymous, basically said uh, some bad words and then explained why he was saying some bad words. And basically, the, by their reckoning, it saves something like €28,000 a race meeting for the reduction in the number of sets of tyres uh, yeah. for um, a particular team. However, immediately when it became known that that was going to happen, what then happened was the manufacturers involved then do a huge amount of tyre testing um, uh, to the to the cost of something like 10 to 15 times the amount that is actually being saved uh, to make sure you've got a tyre that will function. So it's, it's, it's a bonkers idea. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, this is motorsport. If you want to make a tyre that can actually last and you think you can make that actually work with the strategy you can actually bring to the game, then do it. If not, then let them change as long as, uh, as many times as they want. Saving the odd set of tyres in a six-hour race, I just think is bonkers. Yeah, I, I don't get... Uh... There's a big difference, Sean, isn't there, between being able to triple or quadruple stint your Michelins or Dunlops um, and actually enforcing that on people. Uh, t- to my mind, actually, it just increases risk. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, the pit lane's a, a difficult place to work in. Uh, it's a scary place to work in sometimes, particularly when you've got refueling. Um in there, it's one of the things I like about the Graventic races, funny enough, uh, that you don't have refueling in yeah, the pit. The, the, what I think will happen is no one's going to bother quadruple stinting anymore. 
No. no. They, they quad stinted to, to run to driver time. Well, no, they don't need to. And triple stinting still means you won't use too many tyres and you'll get a bit, bit, bit of value out of them and your drivers are going to be fresher running two hours, ten minutes rather than three hours, five. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, well, there we go. I don't know why I've done it. I don't know. It wasn't, it's, it's, it's a real example of fixing something that wasn't broken. I... I, I it's another answer to a question that's not being asked. I mean, well, obviously, I mean, it puts, I, it puts I, them what's in, the thinking behind it? Well, it puts them in line with IMSA, same concept as IMSA, so you're both doing the same ideas. That's the only thing I can see is some sort of homogenisation between major sports cars. Is Graham, have you got any... Uh... Well, I mean, I, it would be nice if it had been properly explained, to be honest with you. I think this is, this is again, it's, it comes back to that point. In, in fairness, you... these, are, these are one lines, aren't they, yeah, in, yeah. in, in I, this? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of speculating on these things. There may very well, you know what? It could very well be one of those eureka moments where someone turns around and says, yeah, but it's this. And you think, oh my God, I hadn't thought of that. And that's why clever people write regulations. But the reality is it hasn't been explained. It has been out there for some little time. It's now been approved. And we await um, the white smoke from Le Mans to tell us, hopefully not coming from the fueling point, um, that uh, what, what the reasoning behind this actually is. But on the face of it, I don't understand it. On the basis that I don't understand it, I'm not particularly fond of it. I Can quite I... like the way our pit stops work. Well, uh, the other thing is, the reason that I, I like it, and, and I'll bring Tim in in a second here, um, the reason that I like it the way it is, and the reason, and I've told the guys at IMSA that uh, IMSA, they have virtually no uh, sanction on how many tyres they can use. So basically, you change tyres every, every time, if you can. Um, the, the disadvantage is in the cold of the night at Daytona um, if ambient is very very low you lose a lot on your outlap um, because you're not allowed tyre warmers which is a false economy as well by the way but let's not even start that uh, that thing I, I think that in endurance racing people who look after their tyres should be rewarded and people who make brave tyre choices and put hard rubber on should be report, rewarded now the issue with IMSA of course is that for th- uh, two of the three classes next year it's a controlled tyre so you you don't have any different tyre compounds um, you don't have any different tyre manufacturers but you know it's a finite amount of time that you add on to your pit stop if you have to change a tyre therefore don't ride the kerbs look after your tyres make sure everything's alright try not to get a puncture and make the tyres last as long as you can and we'll repair you with a 20 second quicker stop in the pit lane that Agreed. to me makes perfect sense. Yeah, me too. I have to say, I mean, it's 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 pure strategy again. It comes down to, you know, uh, it's you know, but how many times have we said, John, in recent times? I remember Richard Westbrook fairly recently. He's almost making fuel in that car. It's the same thing. If you can actually extend the envelope, if you can extend the envelope efficiently, if you can extend the performance envelope, envelope of the car in any way, that is part of the team game. It's part of the skill that these drivers bring. Remember, you know, the reality is they're operating at the level that particularly the top uh, professional drivers do. You're talking tenths. You're talking hundredths at times. If into that mix, though, you can add that degree of subtlety that is required that helps the uh, the team to actually extend the envelope, then actually that's something a professional can bring to the party. And I completely agree, 100%. That's not my natural setting, I know, but I completely agree with you, John. Uh, anything else in there that we no. need can to I look at? give my suggestion oh. on this? Yes, please. Sorry, I said I'd bring you in. If they can change tyres at the same time as refuel, it yep. will make pit stops faster. 
which means there will be fewer cars in the pits at the same time. So that would reduce the chances of collisions in the pits. Except that most people run to the same fuel regulations. So they'll be trying to do everything quicker. The, 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 uh, what this means is, the fi- is what defines your pit stop is how quick you can get the fuel in. Because you should be able to change the tyres in the time that you can do the fuel. In theory, Tim's concept is actually correct. But what they'll ha- what well, happen I knew it was correct. is what happens is I just want to is, know why it's wrong. No, it, it's it's correct, but it'll be backfire because they won't run quad stints, they'll run triple stints and double stints. They'll run to the tyre allocation rather than run to the driver times. Because it also means, by the way, they will use more fuel. Yes. Because they'll be on track longer. Mm, yes. 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 <laughs> That's right. They're, they're seven or eight minutes longer. Yeah. yeah no, perhaps not. About six minutes longer. Well, it's good, so, news for, it's good news for Paul. We might get record distance next year. So it's fantastic <laughs> news for Total, the uh, new partner for the ACS. Oh, now you've, now you've worked it out. Ah, oh, French company benefits from rule change. Seven, 50, 50, 50 gallons more fuel and Paul more excited about a distance no, record. No, 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 no. But, uh... just, just wait until the first time that a car's dropped off its jacks. See, the issue for me is this means that you're going to have cars going up and down on their jacks yeah, whilst I, the fuel I, probes in. You know what? It's like, I, I, I do that again. I agree with you completely. It's, it's, you know, yeah, it's, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what they actually uh, they tell us in terms of the justification for it. But um, it's a subtle but significant change. What, I'd, what I want to see is, and Rob Chalmers has just uh, tweeted in at uh, Specutainment here, is there still a maximum number of crew allowed during the pit stops? I bet there will be, but it still puts more people. Even if you have the same amount of people that do it now, that means you've got two more people working because you've got the fueler and the guy with the um, vent hose uh, working at the same time as the guys changing the tyres. And in the same vicinity as those guys. That's the other point. Not so much in the front of the car, the rear of the car, certainly. Um, It's going to be in the vicinity of the cars. And um, I have some concerns about it. Uh, As I say, you know what? My guess would be that someone's going to turn around and say, oh, no. You know, um, it's it's because of this, and it may well be that I'll have one of those eureka moments, and all will be well. But uh, it does require a bit of an explanation. Mm. Uh, what else have we got, Graham? A uh, bit of a business model change for Bentley in their GT3s. New car announced for the street for the Bentley Continental. Looks fantastic. Nice cam tail on the back. Uh, looks a bit like an Aston Martin DBS for my money. I don't know which one of those I will upset or praise more by seeing that. Um, also has the same uh, script on the back as Aston Martin's new Vantage as well. Quite interestingly, that squared off writing that uh, looks like it's been bought from Halfords and stuck on in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> It's just what it looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think what uh, what we've, so clearly we've got uh, we're beginning to get details now of programs coming into 2018, um, and some of the explanations around that. The new uh, Bentley Continental GT3 coming on stream for 18 for the selected factory-supported teams and a variety of championships, which would include Blancpain, I'm sure. It certainly would include Pirelli Challenger Capex. We've seen that today. But the bit, the interesting thing for me, John, is that the talk in the background is of much greater volumes of those GT3 cars uh, potentially being built and sold, which marks, you know, you'll know yourself, a definite change in terms of the way that Bentley Motorsports are going to be conducting their program. Um, Bentley have always uh, raced 
um, you know, in terms of their factory supported efforts in races where they can win overall. We're now talking of numbers, potential numbers, or the aim for those numbers over the life of that car being in multiples of tens, 30 to 40 cars. Now, we've had nothing like that uh, in terms of the numbers that have been fielded for the the outgoing model. Uh, my guess would be if it reached 20, that's probably as much as they did. Uh, but double that for this one, which means they're going to be casting the net wider. Yeah. Um, they haven't sold a lot of the current versions, in fairness. So, no. you know, does this... Do you think they're accepting that they need to change that to do more to get them? I mean, effectively, they've run a factory team in everything bar name with Malcolm Wilson Motorsport with with M Sport so you know there, there have been a couple of customers but not that many um, they, they've got a new customer in the States just announced as well the one in World Challenge I mean is, is this an acceptance by Brian Gush and, and those at Bentley Motorsport that they need to look at a, a different strategy well um, again it'd be good, good to catch up with Brian and find out but my guess would be that uh, this might be another one of those outturns from Dieselgate. That we know what the VAG brands have been told, that their uh, motorsport programs have got to wash their face. And that means you've got to look for commercial gain from those programs, not just marketing gain, but commercial gain from those programs, and particularly the customer support side. Now, you know, the, uh, the likes of Audi, uh, Mercedes-AMG have built their GT3 cars in pretty remarkable numbers, Ferrari too. Uh, that's not been the case in the case of the, um, the the Bentley thus far, fairly few customer cars. The odd one, we had one in Australia, didn't we? We've got a couple mm. or three running in private hands in the UK. There's uh, there's the absolute efforts in um, in uh, Asia, and obviously as well with uh, with the previous Pirelli World Challenge cars, uh, the Team Apps cars, which I think are factory supported, um, and then obviously the M Sport side of things. But you know, over the years that we've seen that, I would guess the absolute maximum we've seen built of those chassis, including I'm sure a pool for the M Sport team, would be somewhere around the 25 mark. Mm. Absolute maximum. And that, by the way, would include, I'm sure, a car or two that have never raced. Yes. Yeah, and it's not as if they've had a single make series to bounce them up or anything like that. So Funny you should mention that. That was, of course, something that was looked at um, for Bentley a little wee while back. Yep. But I think that one uh, kind of withered on the post-Dieselgate vine. Uh, whether or not that could have been something that either supported or uh, replaced the Audi series in Asia would have been an interesting one, but it's um, yeah, let's wait and see. But I think encouraging they're they're backing the GT3 um, you know creed with with Bentley, and there was a time the earlier part of last year when that might not have been the case. Uh, interesting that you should mention the uh, uh, the Dieselgate sentence because Reuters uh, are. Uh, the Dieselgate issue, Reuters are reporting today that Oliver Schmidt for VW has been sentenced to seven years in prison and to pay a $400,000 fine uh, for the US side uh, of the misreporting of uh, NOx numbers. Uh, the diesel emissions case, the New York Times uh, had that it was quite a while ago that he uh, was 
that he pleaded guilty to it, but I th- he was sentenced to dear uh, $400,000 and seven years in prison uh, yeah. is what we're hearing today. Yeah, well, it's had profound effects on a huge number ever. of people uh, right across the industry and for that matter, consumers as well. And I guess, do I have a particular problem with the message being delivered? That's not the kind of behavior you expect from a corporate body. I have no problem with it whatsoever, actually. Uh, no, agreed. Anything else from you, Graham, before we move on? Uh, no, it's uh, it's been a sparkling week in Asia. It's, uh, th- that's the end of my travels for the year, I'm, I'm happy to say. So it'll be me uh, on couch until now, until the new year. Graham, thanks very much for joining us. Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com, joining us live on Midweek Motorsport. Please report any unattended bags to a member of... Oh, hang on. <clears throat> Wrong script. Is midweek motorsport and still to come. Uh, still to come tonight, more of your tweets uh, on at Specutainment. Uh, and uh, let's keep the uh, the talking going about those rules changes, sporting regulation changes at Le Mans. Uh, World Touring Car Championship has gone. It's now WTCR for the WTC Cup. Yes. It's not a World Championship anymore. Uh, and and um, key private is only. Oh yes, private is only. Yes, very good. Uh, Nick Damon stays with us. Shea Adam joins us live from Daytona International, and the second day of the IMSA homologation test is underway. First time we've done coverage of that. Uh, if it's motorsport, we've got it covered here on RSL. Second hour of the program to come. Marshall Pruitt joining us as well. But next we'll have Shea Adam. Unless Tim tells me different. <laughs> Midweek Motorsport, Series 12. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. I love this music. And I did tell you different, which is why we're doing this. Yep. Just nostalgia, or were theme tunes in the seventies and eighties better than they are now? I think it's a Simon Park thing. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Monday was the first day of the trial uh, at Westminster Magistrates Court of VJ Malia. Oh, ah. his, extradition, his extradition trial. Yes, where he stated, "If I go to prison, go to, to India, I'll be murdered in prison." Yes. Uh, well, on Monday. Uh, the courts heard that Vijay Malia never intended to repay the loans from a government-owned Indian bank. Uh, who, who's, who gave that evidence? Vijay this Malia. was the prosecution. <laughs> right, OK. Uh, it's expected to be a two-week trial for surely... the man who was once known as the King of Good Times. Mm-hmm. But surely, his... my, the thing about rich people... And rich multi-millionaires and, and, and businessmen. You never lend VJ Malia the money. You lend some company that he happens to... Rep- you know, it's, it's always a company who gets the money out the man. So how can he personnel the cash? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Mark Summers QC, representing the Indian government, said there were reasons why a court could conclude that Mr Malia and Kingfisher never intended to repay the loans, so there was a case to answer of fraud. His company was in intensive care. It was going to sustain huge losses. The defendant had a choice. Either take those losses yourself or impinge on your lifestyle and try and palm them off onto your bank. 
Mr. Summers took the court through three loan applications made by Mr. Manley's business in 2009 uh, at a time when Kingfisher Airlines was showing huge losses and was an airline in trouble. So why are they lending the money then? Uh, well, yes. Uh, yesterday, on day two of the trial, uh, Mr. Manley's lawyer said there is no evidence to support claims of fraud. Uh, he has claimed the charges are politically motivated and said he has even he has been presented as the embodiment of all the ills of capitalism in contemporary India. Right, uh, that's that's a pretty big uh, thing to represent, though. Yes, Mr. Malia alleged in the documents that the prosecution is motivated by a populist and misguided sentiment that the collapse of Kingfisher must be indicative of some criminality somewhere. Uh, the perception had been stoked in India by politicians of every stripe. Uh, Claire Montgomery QC, the barrister representing Mr Malia, uh, said the Indian government had put forward no evidence to support its case, even though it had made a, very, uh, a number of very serious allegations which were unsustainable. Uh, there were competing narratives, fraud versus business failure, she said. What there has been is interference with the prosecution process in a way that is improper. This is going to run and run, isn't it? It really is going to the run. The winners, I'll tell you who the winners of this whole thing are, all those QCs in London. Well, you might say that. Though I'm pretty sure he had to pay in advance. I, I have a really, <laughs> really... So I, 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 I'm a bit sort of ambivalent about this, but I do have a serious question to Nick about this. Go on. Is there a fit and proper person test for being involved in Formula One? As there would be with, say, no. other sports franchises. Not really, no. Um, I can't think of one. Okay. So, even if he's convicted, it doesn't necessarily mean he's finished with Formula 1. And, Wasn't and I, and, uh, Flavio Briatore banned for no, you see, that, not being don't forget, fit and proper? No, no, no. Don't forget, they, they banned both Flavio and Pat Simmons for... Singapore Gate, we're in the, what do we call it? Spin Gate? Was it Crash Gate? We call it Crash, crash Gate. Wall Gate. But then, yeah, they, the wall. then they found out. They had, wall the, but then they found out they had no jurisdiction to do it. Right. Oh, so the bands yes. don't exist. So the only people they have jurisdiction over are the drivers, the drivers. because they have an FIA license. Anybody else working in F1, they have no jurisdiction over them. Not even about an entrant. Nope. But they they could refuse somebody an entry. They get them for a straight trade. They, they 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 would not take on the EU. The EU is the powerful and dangerous dog in the corner that uh, both the I'm FIA. Play, I'm playing devil's F1 advocate here for a avoid. moment, but I'm intrigued by this. So I want to come and enter a car in your race. No, I'm sorry, we don't want you. You're an unsavoury person, Mr. Miggins. By the way, I'm I'm not saying that any Mr. Miggins Absolutely. anywhere. Absolutely, you could do that in some other events, but in an FIA series, if you meet the regulations, if you have a franchise. Um, then you know if I mean that would involve them saying we're not taking your money, which I accept is highly <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. Um, but no, there's, 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 surely it's surely it's up to up to the FIA who run and Formula One management potentially who run the series uh, to say no, nah, we don't want your cars. You, you see, you could take the cars. The one thing you could possibly still do is refuse them a paddock pass. I was going to say not give them a cred. So they wouldn't be able to get in, but they're event because you don't like them, but their team would still be in. But they could still buy a ticket. Yeah. Anyone could buy a ticket. But then again, anybody can be refused entry mm-hmm. at at any place yeah, anywhere. I mean, they're happy, unbelievably unpleasant for that. But you know, it's 
I mean, you know, there's plenty of previous of um, money from uh, areas which people have said it shouldn't be coming in, coming into sport and coming into F1 particularly uh, and motor racing. But, you know, I, I I don't think that what is happening here, I don't think even if VJ is found guilty that it would affect, it just, just proves he's bad financial management or anything else. And there is an element, how much of an element, I don't know, but there is an element of politicising about this and anybody who knows about the uh, the Modi government in India for good for bad they have a agenda on this sort of thing or what's gone before on these large um, I don't know what the Indian oligarch is but that sort of thing um, just before we move on are you done with with court news we are done with court news right just before we move on Graham Goodwin's just sent me some a, a quote through from Pierre Fion the president of the Automobile Club de l'OS the ACO and he said the format of the 2018-19 season and the new system of allocating points depending the, uh, on the different races as well as the notion of a single car the highest placed of two machines entered by the same team guarantee a hotly contested championship and close competition between the teams the structure of this new championship looks promising um, so that is different because yes. it's only a single car. It's not. Yes. Yeah, so if you're a single car team, you've still got a chance to win if you're very yes. reliable. Yes. Absolutely. Because a lot of the LMP1 privateer teams will only have the money for one car. Yeah, that's how it happens in the other categories. That the individual cars. Actually, it's not how it happens in the other categories. The individual cars score uh, points for themselves within the teams championship. So this that that's very interesting. That's very interesting indeed. Uh, shall we go? Let's move on to this. Okay. Ah. Another great 70s theme tune. It is. It is. Uh, except it's not a 70s theme it's tune. 60s? Because we're still using it. So <laughs> it's a contemporary theme tune, Nick Damon. Well, you we're don't... still using most of the ones from the 80s, aren't we? Yes, that's true. Uh, this is for what used to be called the Man of the Year show, but then we decided that was sexist. And uh, now it's just Motti. Yes, uh, four of our greatest talents are about to nominate their car, team, race, young driver, non-driver, before, rider. Before people tweet in, uh, can I just say that that might have been used as a theme tune in the 1970s and 80s, but that is a Mozart. Oh, gosh. It uh, is, yeah. Composition <laughs> called uh, A Musical Joke. Yes. Right, okay, fine. Well, obviously, that's the, why are these... Why are he the he didn't actually call it a musical joke, did he? Yeah, can I just point out, I said the 70s. I didn't mention it was the 1870s. Oh, very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's Mozart's Divertimento for two horns and strings. Oh, exactly, because right. he, he wouldn't have uh, named it in English, him not Honestly. being English. Did he say that? In what German. What did he say exactly? 1787, he wrote that. He did. <laughs> so it was the 80s. Yes, yeah. it was the 80s. Another 80s. It was in the A- 80s. Another 80s classic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. And don't say you don't ever learn anything on this show. That's <laughs> true enough. <laughs> okay, so we have uh, seven categories uh, yes. that are being chosen by our talents. Yeah, uh, and there is, is Johnny, also is Johnny with you? Do you have Johnny? He's is not he, with me. No. Oh, that's a shame. We should have had him on as well. Uh, I, I'm sure you can get him on. Uh, might not be able to, but I'll try. Whilst you're, you he talk. hasn't said he's not available. All right, let's uh, see if he's online. He's not. 
try him. Right, come on, carry away. on. Uh, right, so uh, Nick Damon, Shay Adam, Johnny Palmer and John Hindhoff will be uh, nominating in the first seven categories. We also have the Listener Award, uh, where we'll be inviting nominations from you, the listeners. Uh, more about that in a little while. But first, let's get on to our first category, which is for Car of the Year. Uh, Nick Damon, uh, you are first on my spreadsheet. Uh, so what have you chosen? for car of the year and why i have chosen a car that has not won a race mm. i have chosen a car that's not even made the podium all season but well. for punching above your weight and producing a reliable and competitive and interestingly liveried car on no money compared to the major teams and therefore the most bang for your buck and not only doing it once but now doing it four years in a row i'm uh, nominating to Force India and particularly the VJM10 for being incredible good value for money and a very good racing car for a privateer to put out. Excellent. Uh, Shay Adam, what have you chosen as car of the year? I picked the Cadillac DPI VR because it won 7 of 10 races, so went in a slightly different direction than Nick. It dominated the first half of the IMSA WeatherTech series and went on to prove to be a very good steed indeed. I don't know if it was actually even off the podium in any of its races. Uh, John Heintoff, what have you chosen? Sheer, by the way, that was Sheer live from uh, Daytona National Speedway. Um, People know that. People don't think I've just got little (laughs) pre-recorded chunks of Shea here. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, maybe like I do. Porsche going around uh, behind her, I think, at the moment. Um, I am going for something that Nick will turn his nose up because I'm going out That's for a... It's a rally car, isn't it? it, it it's uh, a car that went up against the might of Citroën, Hyundai and Toyota and won the first manufacturer's crown of the new WRC rules with only limited factory support. Malcolm Wilson's M-Sport team turned out a brilliant car with the Fiesta, uh, the M-Sport Fiesta WRC. And, of course, they won Rally GB as well uh, with... Uh, Elvin Evans. Elvin Evans, uh, although it was uh, Sebastian Auger and Oit Tanak who racked up most of the points during the year. So that's me. That's yours. Uh, for uh, Johnny Palmer, what have you uh, nominated as Car of the Year? Uh, he hasn't come back to He me. has uh, nominated the Lexus LC500 GT500 car. The Lexus GT500? Is what he would have said. car went to Japan, won lots of races. Yeah, that's what he would have said if he'd been here. That, that's presumably why he's nominated it. It uh, did dominate uh, over there. Uh, so, your options are the Force India VJM10, the Cadillac DPI VR, the Ford Fiesta WRC, and the Lexus LC500 GT500. Uh, the second category is Team of the Year. Uh, Nick, who have you chosen? I have nominated a team who started the season by winning a 24-hour endurance race, <laughs> finished the season by winning a 24-hour endurance race, and in between, whenever they finished, they won the race. Uh, and that is Herbeth Motorsport, the Precote Herbeth 911, the Renault brothers uh, with Ralph Bond and Daniel Alleman, who are literally the masters of the Creventic series. And also in, uh, in Robert Renault, of course, he won the uh, Porsche Privateer 
Cup last, oh. didn't he? As well for the drivers who aren't uh, works yep. drivers. Fantastic. They're a tiny team as well. There's only about ten of them. It's not like a, a massive organisation, and they just do 24-hour races pretty well. And they did it so well, they even made Brendan Hartley look average at the start of the year. Uh, he, he learned oh. a lot. He learned a lot. But uh, just a great team and lovely guys as well. Uh, Shay, what have you chosen or who have you chosen for Team of the Year? We had a discussion earlier on about team names, so call them whatever you want. The team formerly known as Wayne Taylor Racing, they came into this season having almost won the championship for the last few years, going up against the reigning giants of Action Express Racing in IMSA, and they took them down. They won the championship, and as Nick alluded to with Herbert, not the biggest team in the world, not the uh, strongest team with the biggest financial backing, but they sure managed to come in and take this championship in style. Uh, John, who are you going for? Uh, this is this is this was a, a relatively uh, difficult one for me um, because I clearly wanted to see Aston Martin Special Projects, who I raced with uh, this year, and they did a great job. Um, uh, there, there were a lot of good team efforts this year, but I think for doing the best job in the races that I saw in particular, and, I, and, I, and I, I've got to speak in the races that I saw in particular, uh, it goes to the IMSA WeatherTech Championship uh, winning team, another three-time championship team, uh, and that was Corvette Racing. Uh, Johnny has gone for the uh, Ford M Sport uh, World Rally team, who won five rounds of the World Rally Championship. Uh, with limited uh, Ford. With limited Ford uh, interest and yeah. money. Uh, so that is Johnny's choice for Team of the Year. So to summarise Teams of the Year, we have uh, Herbert Motorsports, Wayne Taylor Racing, Corvette Racing and M Sport World Rally Team. Our third category is Race of the Year. Nick Damon, what have you chosen for Race of the Year? I have chosen the Azerbaijan Grand Prix mm. in Baku. Now, Again. all we can think about, obviously, is the red mist moment from uh, young Mr. Fettel, which resonated for the rest of the season. But do you That's remember? That's not quite all I remember. Do you about remember? It, I remember you, two Force Indies driving into exactly. Each other as do you well. remember Kimi Raikkonen crashing the first lap? Do you oh, remember yes. Valtteri Bottas finish, going a lap? down and still finishing second by overtaking Lance Stroll in the last 20 metres. Do you yeah. remember Lance Stroll who was useless coming third? Do you remember Danny Ricciardo from nowhere winning? Do you remember Lewis's headrest coming off so he had to fall back? Do you remember the yes, I remember that. stop and go? That really had more action in that one race than unfortunately about nine other races put together in the season. Quite literally a classic of a race that will be talked about for various reasons I believe for many years to come and also Azerbaijan, the Baku track is really quite picturesque and nice. It is picturesque and nice. Shay Adam, what are you picking as race of the year? A race that had us talking for a very long time, partially because we didn't have another race to come for about eight weeks after it. That was the Daytona 24 hours this year. Mm. Not necessarily my favorite race because it rained for about 16 hours and was very cold. But that move at the end left us with a setup for the rest of the season that was sort of a dictation of what we were going to see in all the classes. It led to very good racing for the rest of the 2017 MSA season. So that's my race of the year. Can I just take issue with you saying there was not another race about eight weeks afterwards? Because I seem to remember you were actually at another race about sorry, four sorry, days sorry. afterwards. <laughs> not another there US not. race. 
There is not another IMSA race until Sebring, but Tim, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> Three days if you uh, discount the fact that, that there was no Tuesday in your week. Correct. Exactly. Although it did exist for the rest of us. Not did all of us. It really? Uh, who's next? John? Um, I uh, th- This was hard. I've seen some great racing this year in uh, in various continents uh, of the world. Uh, Bathurst, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I've been involved and driven in some great races myself. I thoroughly enjoyed the Sangyong pickup truck races at Brands Hatch, the first one in particular. Um, when I got bumped out the second one, I got a puncture in the third, not so much. Um, but this came down to me to... The, the individual race that I want to talk about, that I, that I want to nominate, was in some ways the culmination of one of the great rivalries in motorsport in my lifetime. And that is between no idea we are going with this. Corvette and Aston Martin oh, at Le Mans. Oh, yes. And what we saw in this year's race in GTE Pro was nothing short of legendary. And that it was won... Uh, on the start of the last lap with a forceful set of driving by both drivers involved, that the car that won took its first ever victory at Le Mans in the last time that it was racing there as a works entry, and that it battled with its biggest rival for the last decade and a half throughout the 24 hours. Forget Ford and Ferrari, that was 1960s. The real rivalry of my generation in GT racing and at Le Mans is Aston Martin versus Corvette. It's respectful but competitive. And so my vote goes to the Le Mans 24-hour GTE Pro race from this year. Uh, Johnny Palmer's chosen uh, the t- overall 24 hours of Le Mans uh, this year uh, for all the reasons that John mentions, plus three other categories that were just as exciting. Uh, yep. So, to summarise, you can choose between the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, the Daytona uh, 24 Hours, the GT Pro uh, race at Le Mans, and the overall uh, Le Mans 24 Hours for 2017. Our fourth category is Young Driver of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Damon, who have you chosen as Young Driver of I the Year? I have chosen uh, a, ma- a, re- a, a redemption story in uh, young, young Dan Tictum, who made the most egregious of errors and ridiculous of mistakes in uh, when he was 15 years old and received a two-year ban for it uh, and then came back after one year that was suspended and has come back and he's done uh, work with Formula uh, Europe. He's managed to pick up a uh, Renault Europe, so he managed to pick up a Red Bull drive. More importantly, he won Macau. Mm. Um, and he's obviously on the on the first club, but and at the moment, you know, he he seems to have learned from his punishment. So um, I think we should always say, I think things people do when they're fifteen should be forgiven, and I include that on on, on and you shouldn't get kicked. I've out seen of pictures of what you were wearing, and frankly, yeah. when you were fifteen, and, that should never be for forgiven. A very, for a very parochial thing, you shouldn't get kicked out of I'm a celebrity or something you tweeted seven years ago when you were sixteen. But never mind, carry on. Uh, Shay, who have you chosen as young driver of the year? Well, my. Uh, rectified choice because the person that I initially chose was not a young person of the year uh, is none other than Colton Herta. He's a youngster from California, been doing some racing over in Europe and finally made the jump back to the U.S. this year. He came into Indy Lights, finished third in the championship in his first season, 
and got a couple of wins, seven podiums out of 16 races. And that's a name that I heard thrown around a lot. And I don't really pay that much attention to the IndyCar paddock, but that's a name that I've been told, watch out for. This kid is really good. Uh, John, who are you going for? Oh, uh, I should have, before we went for um, Nick's, I should have, have actually the criteria. given the criteria here. So yeah. to be, and it's interesting that... Uh, Shay's first choice fell foul of this. So uh, the criteria to be a young driver are born on or after the 1st of January 1999 and competing in 2017 in any national Formula 4 championship or any Renault or Ford national single-seater championship or equivalent that uses engines of 1800cc or less or USF 2000 or Pro Mazda or the Janetta Junior Championship or part of the NASCAR Next program or either of the two eligible drivers in Indy Lights and obviously uh, Shea has chosen the younger of the two eligible drivers in Indy Lights. Um, unfortunately, I've gone outside of that on to, in terms of the very narrow, I felt, uh, parameters for the series. And uh, there's, there's a reason for this. I've gone to a championship that Tim didn't mention there and that isn't always thought about when it comes down to young drivers. Uh, and this is the... IMSA GT, the Porsche uh, GT3 Cup, the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama. And in both categories, both the Platinum for the new Gen 2 cars and the Gold Class for uh, the previous iteration of cars, we had young drivers starring at the sharp end of the uh, final point standings. Uh, Jake Edson won the platinum cup but was a little bit too old my original choice was trenton estep till i looked him up and he was 10 months too old from that uh mckay snow got a uh, an honorable mention from me as did will hardman and andrew long but they were a little bit uh, too old so you're not doing well with young drivers you've named six now and all of them are not young no uh, however uh, the the other man that was on my shortlist when i was uh, looking for these drivers and checking dates of birth, came third in the gold category and, and had a, a run at the championship that was live right up till the last weekend at Road Atlanta, which is odd because his plans didn't involve being in the USA Championship at all at the start of the year. Uh, this is young Roman De Angelis who was driving for Mark Mortis and was originally going to do the Ultra 94 Championship in Canada, but he didn't have much... A competition up there, so Mark Mortis and he struck a deal to run south of the border. Now, he'd already missed a couple of championship rounds uh, at Sebring, and therefore he was playing catch-up right from the very beginning, but remarkably uh, managed, at, at uh, quarter, sorry, and uh, remarkably managed to uh, take that championship charge right to the end, and it was only a couple of bad finishes, uh, one at Sonoma, one at VIR, he had the most unlucky season of the guys at the sharp end of the championship with a uh, an engine blow up uh, and then he had an issue at Road America, I seem to remember, with a, a tail light not working properly and then a non-finish at Road Atlanta that finally ended his season. Third position in the championship behind Victor Gomez and the eventual winner Fred Keimer. But that is a name that you need to look for in the future. Roman De Angelis, who was uh, at... Daytona yesterday testing an LMP3 car. Keep an eye open for him, and he's my young driver nomination. 
And uh, one more name to look out for uh, in Young Drivers, Johnny Palmer's nomination. Uh, someone who changed teams at the start of 2017, uh, but went on to win seven races uh, with a further 11 podium finishes. He won the championship with a race to spare and has now been inducted into the Renault Sport Academy. He is the champion of the Euro Cup Formula Renault 2 litre, and that is Sasha Fenestras. How do we spell that? S A S E N E S T R A Z. I'm tweeting this as we go along. Ah. Right. And Nick, who's yours again? Sorry, I, I was too so Dan Tictum. It's Dan Tictum, Colton Herter, Sasha Fenestras, Roman DeAngelis. Right, fantastic. Thank uh, you. Fifth category yes. Yes. is non-driver. Yes. So yes. this is open to anyone who is not a racing driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll start with Nick Damon. Well, my, my nomination comes in two parts. And uh, my main nomination is Toto Wolff, um, team principal of Mercedes. But I also have an honourable mention for Nico Rosberg for becoming a non-driver and freeing up the Mercedes team to concentrate what was really important, which is actually trying to win races rather than trying to beat each other up in a political bun fight. Uh, I think what Wolf has done in stabilising the team um, away from the poisonous political atmosphere, and given the fact that what's crept out in the last year about how bad it was, you can get, you can bet it was at least three times as bad in reality, because obviously as distance comes, people realise more how bad things are. Um, so he's been a, he's a very, very good uh, uh, team principal. He's, very, he, he's quite astute with the politics as well. He doesn't play silly, silly, silly cards. And more importantly, he's very... He's very open and personable mm. so he's done a fantastic job and I am going to give him the, the the nod for the world championship and the development of the car and running a team brilliantly that wasn't actually winning at the start he he is very good on telly as well he really is Shay who have you chosen I chose Tim Sindrick as my real vote but I am going to do an honorable mention like Nick uh, Tim Sindrick engineered Joseph Newgarden to a championship in IndyCar in his first season with Team Penske which is an accomplishment all in itself, but Tim is a guy who isn't just happy staying on the IndyCar side. He's been in the sports car paddock this weekend as well, and he was doing all this while his son, Austin, was going out there racing in the truck series and trying to get his first championship, so a lot of pressure on him. My honorable mention, though, definitely goes to Marion and Sandra because they cater for all the mouths in the sports car paddock, and even for this weekend, John, or even these couple-day tests, two-day tests, they figure they fed more than 1,600 people. Wow. So just goes to show the sort of effort that they put forward and can't give enough thanks to them. Uh, John, who have you picked? Uh, I've picked two. Uh, look, a lot of people that work in motorsport have uh, tough jobs, jobs that nobody really, really wants to do. I think particularly of race directors and stewards, and we all have a go at them, a bit like referees and any other sports team managers. That's an... Uh, an unenviable task as well, particularly if you've got diva drivers. Um, the responsible adult has one of the hardest work, uh, hardest jobs in motorsport. Keep my diva pitlin commentators, not the presenters, of course. We're all lovely uh, in hey. in check. <laughs> um, um, but the the guys I think who have the hard one of the hardest jobs in motorsport at the moment are the guys who have to set balance of performance and not for IMSA going down the route of some deep thought computer and some kind of cleverly written programming system no these are real people looking at real data and making sure that the data 
correlates with what they see in the w real world and what they see in their testing. So my non-driver of the year goes to the IMSA technical team under Simon Hodgson and Jeff Carter. And I believe you've got Jeff on the show later tonight, Jay, haven't you? Yes, we do. That is our second day coverage of the Daytona International homologation test for IMSA. 10 o'clock on RS1 and RS2 IMSA Radio tonight. That's my uh, that's my norm, Tim. Who did Johnny go for? Johnny went for Max Mayer. Now you're thinking, I vaguely remember that name, but I can't place him. Yes, go, uh, go to Jedenhofen, because he is the technical director of Herbert Motorsports. Of course. Unbeaten in 2017. Very good. Very good. A new category for this year yeah. is Rider of the Year. Ah. Uh, now, this is another one with eligibility criteria. It is open to anyone who took part in any of the following. MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3, World Superbike, World Super Sport, the FIM Superstock 1000, European Superstock 600, any national superbike, superstock, supersport or sidecar championship, or the Isle of Man TT. Uh, Nick, who did you go for? Uh, poor old Johnny Ray. Uh, triple World Superbike Championship. There were 26 races last year in World Superbikes. Johnny won 16 of them. Extraordinary. Was only off the podium once, ironically in Britain, when his engine blew up. Yeah. Uh, astounding consistency. Astounding. But don't forget, for all the race twos, he had to start in ninth because the strange reverse grid they had. Normally within four corners up into second. Um, just an unbelievable performance by the Northern Irishman. Um, dominating, whilst being a personal, uh, great guy, very, very popular in the paddock. And he just really, I suppose, was the worst thing possible for World Superbike. And you have an absolute superstar who was even beating a former world champion on the same bike every week, bar one. Um, so Johnny Ray, it's almost a no-brainer for me as far as motorcycling this year is concerned, but um, we will get other nominations, I'm sure. Shay? The greatest MotoGP rider of my generation is young Mark Marquez, got his fourth world championship this year. He's had 90 MotoGP races and 35 wins. That is a pretty incredible stat, and I look forward to seeing him win even more championships over the course of my lifetime. John? That, that's good. Uh, I've gone for a rider who, again, had a bad start of the season, broke a finger, had two operations, uh, thought he would be starting in Australia, did a two-day test, but he couldn't race, uh, and basically missed the opening two rounds of his Supersport World Championship. Amazingly, he got back in and started the championship in the third round of the championship in Spain. But then in September, in what was an awful season for me, broke his pelvis in three places uh, during the Super Bowl session uh, in France. He went back to his home in Turkey for an operation. And after just five weeks, he was back in Qatar for the night race with a theoretical chance of winning the championship. He finished third and got second in the championship. Extraordinary extraordinary performance this year by the absolute king of the Supersport World Championship in the last few years, Keenan Sofoglu. Johnny has gone for a rider who won yet another uh, Supersport race in the Isle of Man TT and also won the Senior TT this year and was leading the overall Superbike TT until his engine gave up. Uh, that's Michael Dunlop. Yeah. Very good. That's that's a tough category, that one. 
It is. A pick. Uh, Obviously, so, I've got the right person, though. Finally, <laughs> uh, I'll just summarise those again. So we have uh, Johnny Ray, Mark Marquez, Kenyon Safoglu, and Michael Dunlop. Uh, so finally, uh, the big prize. Who have you gone for, Nick Damon? I've gone for the finest racing driver in his generation, the most controversial racing driver's generation. Um, the man who proved there is always another level to go to, found it and won the world championship in Formula One, Lewis Hamilton. Shay? Uh, basically everything Nick just said, except take that out of Formula One. Uh, I went with the guy who came into Dubai without winning a 24-hour sports car race. Check that off the list. He came to Le Mans without having won that race overall. Yep, did that too. Went to Petit Le Mans, hadn't got a win there. Yep, he got that. And then, oh, by the way, he got a ride in Formula One. Yep, I'm talking about the great Kiwi, Brendan Hartley. Very good. Come to me last, because I actually have not made a choice yet. <laughs> Game time decision. Ah, Johnny Palmer has gone for a Formula One driver who didn't win a race in 2017, uh, but uh, only because his engine couldn't get to the end of one. Uh, that is Fernando Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm sure, in speaking of, I will speak for Fernando for Johnny. Obviously, the um, the key thing about it is his, his talent is, is undiminished. He's wrestling with rubbish, but he did go and prove that he has a convertible talent, like the great drivers of the 60s and what, 50s and 60s, the top down. and competed exceptionally competitively at, um, at the Indy 500, Indy 500 until his engine was, blew up. His Honda engine blew up on the straight, but he was running, uh, he would almost certainly have um, been on the podium if he got to the end of the race. Mm. Do they have a top three podium in Indy? I don't know. Nope. No, no, he, didn't he would no. almost certainly come in the top three. Yeah, <laughs> he would have come in the top three. Uh, although he was fourth at the time that he blew up, wasn't he? Yeah, but I think he uh, was. And uh, he has been voted Rookie of the Year by uh, IndyCar. Good lad. <laughs> uh, John, who have you gone for? My man of the year isn't a driver. Well, actually, he is a driver and he still drives. But he's not best known for being a driver. And my man of the year is man of the year for not just what he's uh, achieved this year, but in what he's putting in place for the years to come. Um, The sport that we all love, motorsport, and the part of motorsport that we all love is endurance racing. And the people who are the guardians of endurance racing are the ACO. Uh, What they do at Le Mans resonates throughout the world. It's been a sticky time for the ACO, not all of their own making. And... I think that the way that they are attacking the problems and meeting that head-on is down in no small part to a single person, and that's the president of the ACO, Pierre Fillon. And the way that he is taking back control of sports car racing uh, around the world is, uh, is to, to me, a reason why not only is he going to be this year's Man of the Year, but I think if he pulls off everything that he's trying to achieve. He could be my nomination for Man of the Year for quite some time to come. Pierre Fion, uh, president of the ACO. So Pierre Fion joining Fernando Alonso, Brendan Hartley and Lewis Hamilton yep. uh, in that category. And by so, the way, he still does drive. He drove a LMP3 car uh, certainly last year and he still does race. Those are the seven categories chosen by our experts. Uh, the eighth category uh, is the Listener Award and uh, more information I promised you, more information you're about to get. Uh, if you want to nominate someone to take uh, to uh, be voted on in the Listener Award, uh, 
You have until next Wednesday's Midweek Motorsport to tweet at RSL Studio. Yeah, RSL underscore, underscore studio. studio. Yeah. Uh, hashtag listener award. Yeah. Uh, with the person or entity. It doesn't have to be a person. It mm. could be uh, a race. It could be a car. It could be a team. Uh, anyone you like uh, to be nominated for the listener award we will pick three of those and announce those in the show next week when voting for all eight categories just just three three. can we not have four and then we can announce them in third second and first and you still won't know who's won between Ah, the two that's left see what i did there yes so we'll pick the best four we'll pick the best four doing this on the fly should have rehearsed this uh and next week during the show voting in all eight categories will open okay and uh, that uh, is pretty much all for man of the year this week so uh let's start talking about things that are happening in america and Cher adam is on the line from the u.s and from the daytona national speedway at the moment as you can hear it's day two of the homologation uh test we'll get marshall pruitt on the line in a wee while as well uh Coming up at 10 o'clock, the second day report uh, from Shea Adam. But what did you find out yesterday, Shea? Wow. Um, IMSA is not messing around this year. That was the big message that was delivered during the drivers' meeting. Um, they really, really, really want to try and get the balance right, starting off at Daytona. Last year, it wasn't, and they acknowledged that. So they're really pushing for everybody to show their hand at this test. And if you don't show your hand, they're going to know. That's been the really interesting thing. The morning session was to establish baselines to try and get a good feel for the car. They let the teams go out and do their own thing. But then in the afternoon session, it was about every four laps, a certain car would be called in. They would have to go to tech, have Uh, fuel added to the car, check the weight, make sure that everything was good, and then they would be allowed to go back out for another run. IMSA was really, really pushing the fact that this is a test for them to try and figure out what people need when we come back here in January because the way that things have shaped out, the roar no longer is a test. The roar is something in of itself that matters. So teams approach it guardedly. Uh, 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 I don't want to sort of jump in on the interviews uh, that you did yesterday. People can download that or listen to it on demand and I want people to tune in straight after the show at 10 o'clock tonight here on RS1 and over on uh, IMSA Radio RS2 as well. But let's talk about some of the new cars. First time that we have seen uh, in the carbon fibre a number of new cars. Let's start at the prototype end of things and the big uh, the big addition to the field is Penske Acura. How, how have those cars looked? How have they sounded? And how have they gone? Well, they're still out on track, so they are one of the background noises that you will hear. They've gone pretty well. A couple of issues yesterday for one of the cars, I believe it was the one that Ricky and Ilya were driving, it got out fairly late in the first session uh, and then did less running in the second. Both cars spent quite a bit of time in the garage, but... Don't read too much into that. That's something that nobody was really panicked over. They sound great. They look mean. I mean, the car is just the uh, the plate that sort of goes over the nose to distinguish the car from being an Orica to being an Acura really makes it. Are, look are they impressive. in livery or in are they in carbon? No, no, they are in carbon. The car that uh, Montoya and Dane is drive are driving this weekend. It's all carbon. 
the car that Ricky and Ilio share, that one has an orange trim to it with orange uh, end plates so that you can tell the cars apart when they're on track. They happen out quite a bit together. Um, they look great. And then timing, talking to Simon Pagano just briefly earlier on the way back from lunch, he said it's a bit like driving the Peugeot. It just feels great. He's comfortable. He's happy. It's like Christmas for all of these Penske drivers. Uh, BMW, uh, Rahal Letterman Lanigan got their hands on the new mate. And uh, that's another mean looking black machine. It is all in carbon for that car as well. Um, they've had quite a few struggles. Yesterday, they spent a good amount of time in the garage. They got out late in the morning session today. They did do a few laps. Every time the car leaves the pit box, though, it's almost reluctant to go. That's something I know that they've been working on. But they've had uh, John Edwards and Connor Felipe both driving the car. They've done quite a few laps around the circuit. They were in Homestead testing earlier in the week, now up here and getting a good feel for the car. It's not quite there yet, but the baseline of where this car is as compared to where the M6 was when they brought that out, all the drivers are saying this is way, way better. And think about it, they really hit the stride with the M6 in basically the second half of the season last year. They're gonna be on their game a lot earlier on for 2018. And uh, this is, not really an open event, but uh, there seem to be a lot of pictures out there. So there's a decent press, a bit of press coverage going on. Uh, yeah, there, there's a good press representation here at the track. A lot of people are just honestly taking out their cell phones and snapping pictures because you can't help it. You're like a kid in a candy store. If you're a car fan, there's just so much to look at, so much to listen to. And there are a lot of social media representation, like a, a lot of PR people are here promoting their cars because everybody has made their cars better. Nobody wants to say that they've made them worse. The uh, GTD Porsche that was running here yesterday from Allegra, they've got a new hood on the car that it's got new scoops. It looked fantastic. A lot of people taking pictures of that. The Lexus has some brake updates to it, but Jeff Carter will get more into that in the interview a little bit later on. Um, the Mercedes, they're trying to get a good baseline on. But then you look at some of the cars, like the Risi Ferrari, the back end of that car is completely different. The diffuser is a new shape that was actually sent over by Michelotto. So there were people over here to check on that car. Tony Bielander ran the whole time. Uh, they did not run this last session, but he was the only driver who was uh, here to fill in. So it was a long day of running for them. Uh, the other car, of course, that had the big changes, John, is Mazda. Yeah. And the 77. I was going to come on to that. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's uh, all right. I'm just, I'm so excited about it. Uh, the 77, both cars have been running in pure carbon. Uh, so did... it has got the 77 number, as Marshall uh, alluded to la last week. Yes, but the driver lineups are not set in stone. Uh, from what I've been told, they are trying this out for this test. They'll see how it works. They're going to do a two-day test here later in the week. Uh, so they're still playing with who's going to drive with who. We don't know yet. The 77 did a great deal of running yesterday. That was Renee Rast and Ollie Jarvis. Tristan Nunez did not even drive. He's not expecting to get in the car within the next 12 minutes. Um, and the 55 has not yet turned a lap as of when I left the pit lane, which was about 3 o'clock. They did have it ready to go. Jonathan Bomarito was going to get a few laps, and then they were going to put uh, Tinknell in for the rest of the session. So, again, another one of those situations where, and I should mention, Spencer Pickett isn't here, but they're they're being very cautious about who they give their laps to, and they're mostly guys who haven't raced in the U.S. full-time. Uh, we've got the Conti cars out as well today. I'll talk about that with you 
in a second. Uh, news coming through this week that uh, there's some changes at BMW with Bill Oberlin stepping o- over to a more mentoring role and only driving in the longer races in the championship. Yeah, and it was very interesting because when I talked to the BMW people about that, they said he's not stepping over or stepping down. He's actually stepping up to more of a role. Being a BMW ambassador, he's now going to fill the role almost that Dario is filling with Ford Chip Ganassi Racing on the IndyCar side. He's going to help the drivers from a different level, and he's still going to do the endurance races. So it's not as if we won't be seeing Bill at the track. We're just not going to be seeing him necessarily in the role of driver for every race. But we don't know who our American drivers are going to be as of just yet. So, yes, they announced that Bill is not going to be one of the full season guys. We assume that Jonathan Edwards and Connor Filippi will be two of those guys being great Americans. But they have another program to worry about in Europe. Are we going to get Alexander Sims back? Are we going to get Martin Tomczyk back? We'll have to wait and find out. Uh, and let's talk about the... Uh, let's talk about the Connell Tire Sports Car Challenge. Lots of new cars there, including oh. TCRs. Now, you were talking with Brad Kettler on yesterday's show about them looking after the new Golf TCR, the Alpha TCR, be still Nick's beating heart, and Johnny Palmer, uh, uh, is is there. Lots of uh, lots of Audis as well, of course. This is the new edition and some, and some new GT4 cars for Conti as well. Yeah, and when the green flag fell this morning at uh, whatever it was, 8 a.m., seems like forever ago, it was the TCR cars that were anxious to go out. It was Nick's favorite, the Alpha, was the first out on track. And Looks wow, pretty good. It has a great sound. It does, even in all white, because it doesn't have a livery on it yet. There were no drivers listed on the entry list, but there was somebody going around. I didn't recognize the helmet, <laughs> I have to admit. Um, but that car was fantastic. The Volkswagen got quite a few laps, but it was the Audis that everybody was staring down because there are so many of them already on the entry list. That's a very big car to keep an eye on. The Audi GT4 was also here. That was driven by uh, Rahel Frey. Um, and then we had one of the Mercedes that was here as well. That was the windward uh, test mule car. That was Demo and uh, Jerome Blickmullen driving that car. The Mustang was here as well to sort of represent it's going to be an unbelievable Conti series this year. And I don't want to get too much into it because that's another thing that Jeff and I talked about. But, John, you are not going to believe it. When you get here in January and see these cars, they look serious. Um, it was the Winwood guys and Damon Faulkner came over. This uh, was for the uh, for the new GT4 uh, from Mercedes-Benz. Uh, that wasn't the plan, but they had a problem with the car that was meant to come there. It did it chassis, didn't it, down at uh, down at Cota. So the Winwood team have had to step up and provide their car for the for the homologation test. And they have. Uh, Russell Ward was actually here. He's one of the full season drivers. He was manning the fire bottle over the wall today <laughs> for the test because they needed somebody extra. But they seem to have a pretty smooth go of everything. We only had one car actually in the Conti test. Uh, that wound up in the wall, and that was one of the Audi uh, RS3s. So unfortunate to see that, but it it held up fairly well. The team is confident that they will be able to repair it. Uh, And other than that, knock on wood, I say this with eight minutes remaining, we have been green since we went green at 1.15 this afternoon. It's been a remarkable session for the WeatherTech cars out on track right now. 
sounds brilliant. I'll let you get away. Work to be done uh, by Shea Adam. You'll hear more from her uh, at 10 o'clock UK. That is uh, just under 10 minutes away. And That's seven it will, minutes away. Seven minutes away. Thank you, Tim. Uh, that will be uh, both on uh, IMSA Radio, which is RS2, and here on RS1. Uh, Shea Adam uh, reporting for us and IMSA Radio live from Daytona International Speedway. And we will have coverage from the Raw, uh, including some live coverage in sound and vision uh, of the first prototype challenge race. I don't know if this is speaking out of turn. Are we we mentioning what we're doing next week? Oh, yes, we are. It's it's interesting, isn't it? It is very interesting. Because just when you think the season's over, the season's not over. Uh, we uh, we are dashing out uh, on Thursday, straight after the programme, in fact, uh, next week. Uh, so the programme will be uh, a little less fr- uh, frantic, we hope, because we are heading out to Abu Dhabi for our traditional end of year, but not end of season. Our end of season is actually February. The longest gap that we get is between... Um, yes, you've got a weird year now, haven't you? Yeah, uh, <laughs> between Bathurst and uh, and... Sebring. Not really, because it's one week shorter because we've got Preventic in Silverstone in the first week. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, so we don't have any off-season at all now, then. I'll take <laughs> that you back. You still have a reasonable gap there. Yeah. Three weeks. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Um, so it's the Gulf 12 hours. A uh, little bit of a change in format. It's four for... weeks. Right. It's a little bit of a change in format for the Gulf 12 hours next week. Um so, uh, we'll be having streaming video on the site. There's no dedicated audio stream um, uh, this year. Um, we're trying something a little bit different, but we will have the final free practice, qualifying and the race uh, on uh, in streaming video on the website. I have no idea how that works. That's a Tim thing. You'll make it work, Tim, won't you? Well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> or we won't. Or, or you may not see, yes, and you certainly exactly. won't hear. No, we don't have a dedicated radio feed uh, for that because of a, a change of policy f- uh, from the the organisers uh, for this year. This is a, a tryout of something uh, a little bit different. So in the same way as we used to provide the commentators for the WEC TV and still do for ELMS TV, uh, we will be providing the commentary team, which will be Joe Bradley, Nick Damon and Johnny Palmer heading out to uh, the Gulf 12 hours and uh, I'm playing responsible adult for that <laughs> and taking my race licence obviously I'm responsible it's like oh well I'm playing responsible no. adult I'm not going to be all responsible of the, all adult all of a sudden you go that's not going to work uh, it, that won't appear on the schedule, but I'll try and remind you about it uh, next week. And we will put a story up on the front page uh, with the Times on UK of when those things happen. But it's Gulf 12 hours. Uh, it is uh, Friday and Saturday. And, and we'll link to it on the uh, collective page. And we'll link to it on the collective page. And, of course, we'll have the social media going. But no dedicated audio stream for that uh, there's three minutes left before Shea is back Tim have you got a final word uh, we're not having Marshall then no that's why I sent you a note that said in that. three minutes Marshall could probably say hello, hello Marshall. Not, I have not got a note saying that alright ok <laughs> it, it, it's on the uh, it's on it's the, the show the chat machine, is it? it's on the show chat yes. uh, so part of. 
So, a quick reminder. So, then. I've got some DTM calendar news. Excellent. Get it off quickly. God. Uh, and uh, DTM have announced a calendar uh, today. Yeah. Uh, it uh, involves a return to the United Kingdom. Really? Yes. Wow, that's out of the blue. What? A return to the United Kingdom for no, DTM. You've just woken up from my reading uh, yes. quiz again. Where? Donny, Donno or Brands Hatch? That will be going to Brands Hatch in August. Excellent. Well, well, you can't go. It clashes with something else. Everything clashes with something. August Tim. the what? Eleventh uh, and twelfth. Week, week before um, WEC. August eleventh and twelfth. Actually, it doesn't clash with anything. Clash with for anything, you, does it? No. Yeah. That's for me. Well, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the Hockenheim Ring. If you're within a decent drive of Brands Hatch, to go and see that, and possibly with the revised, the revived TT Cup. So, what are they dropped then? Uh, Is it still 10 rounds? They are not going to Oshersleben. Well, that's a good call, in fairness. So it goes Hockenheim, Lausitz, Ring, Hungara, Ring, Norris, Ring, Zandvoort, Brands Hatch, Mizano, Nürburgring. Brands Hatch, Ring, as we'll have to call it now. <laughs> Red Bull, Ring, and Hockenheim, Ring. Ring, 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 ring. somebody give me a call. <laughs> the Abba Circuit. Who's 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 who the driver that uh, Abba sponsored? Uh, he wasn't Stig. just the driver. Stig, he he was uh, he was he was a drummer. He was their drummer. What was his name? Um, Stig. Um, come on, come on, collective, hurry up, because then he he can now get a drive as part of the Ring Ring uh, tour. Yes. Uh, subsequently, the European Formula Three Championship, which uh, often supports DTM, has Isn't announced its. Slimborgood. Slimborgood. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Uh, Abba Driver F1. Brilliant, brilliant search here. Abba Driver F1. <laughs> Suddenly, bang, in comes. Oh, I'm king of the search. But if you put Abba Driver, you just get the Abba Driving, driving School. school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Formula 3 uh, season doesn't start until uh, very late in uh, May. And that will be starting at Poe. Oh. Mm. And then it goes to Tinky Winky, La La and Dipsy. And that's the fourth year I've made that joke. Yeah. It's still funny, though. It still made me smile. Uh, thanks to all our contributors uh, this evening, to our executive producer back in London uh, this week, Tim Gray, uh, Nick Damon, alongside me, the responsible adult, uh, was Eve Hewitt. Uh, Graham Goodwin joining us from DSC Central. And who else did we have tonight? She Adam, of course, in Marion's. Uh, thanks to Marion and... Uh, uh, Sandra for looking after us all of the season and share this weekend a reminder then that we'll open the uh, show of the year voting next week we'll make sure that all of the nominees are posted on the website uh, thank you very much for listening tonight uh, all of our recent reviews are available to download or listen on demand and coming up next on RS1 and RS2 IMSA Radio share Adam with the second the question and is, final where will it start first? Which Ooh. which station will have it first? Yeah, well, I'm I'm timing it to see if I can get right up to it as we yeah. go here. And as we're now in December, many of you will notice via Specutainment that the uh, Hind of Towers Christmas tree is up, and there's no time to explain because we do have llamas on the Christmas tree. <laughs> This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.